Welcome to the Concord Online Podcast. Each week, we're going to be bringing you sermons from Concord to be a resource for you to live on mission with us to inspire people to follow Jesus. Well, good morning. So grateful that you're with us. And uh, man, just want to thank you, church, for your grace last week. Friday, the, uh, the flu hit me like a freight train, man. And uh, it was brutal. So Friday afternoon, I called John Aiken and I said, hey, John, can you preach a very difficult sermon for me? And uh, he did while taking a shot at my Alabama Crimson Tide, but, uh, but we'll just forgive him for that. Uh, he said, I missed because of the coaching change at Alabama. And uh, that was just not the truth, all right? But I will add that I was in Israel when Alabama lost to Tennessee here, and then the week I get, so the Lord's protected me. All right, so, uh, but uh, do bear with me, Damon. My voice is still not back, and I got a cough. So at some random point today, I may turn my microphone off and turn around and cough, and it's just going to be awkward for all of us, but that's kind of where we are, all right? Um, grab your Bible. Let's go to Jeremiah uh, chapter 29. Guys, I see 24 on the screen. We're going to go to 29. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, uh, verses 4 through 9. We're going to spend our time together today uh, continuing our series we've called Foundations. And you say, well, you just must not have wanted to preach that sermon last week. Well, let me tell you something. I'd rather have preached the sermon last week than the one I'm having to preach this week. All right, because this week's on parenting. And when I was the parent of a young child, I had, you know, five principles for parenting. And now that I'm the parent of a teenager, I have four very vague ideas that typically don't work uh, about parenting. So, you know, I, I'm in the middle of this. So I don't, I don't come to you today as an expert, all right? I don't come to you today as an expert. I really come to you today uh, to open God's word and to show with you and share with you um, what God's word has to say about being Christian parents. And uh, I brought some books with me. I kind of feel like Doogie Howser MDiv up here with some books, but uh, I've got some books that have impacted me and I want to recommend them to you. Um, first, it's called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. So if you're a dad of a little girl, I'd encourage you to get this one, all right? And it's not super thick, but it's thicker than we want it to be, guys. And uh, Blake Henry, I think it's on Audible. All right, so, uh, so, you know, when Blake was on church staff, any book I picked the staff to read, it had to be on Audible or Blake couldn't participate. So uh, anyway, but uh, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, all right? Uh, Ten Secrets Every Father Should Know. Uh, this one has been super helpful for me as my son has become a teenager, but it's called The Intentional Father, and it's a, a practical guide to raise sons of courage and character. All right, so, uh, so this has been, so it's called The Intentional Father, and it's a book for men to, about raising their boys, and it's much shorter than the one about girls. All right, so uh, just a thought. All right, just a thought. All right, so, uh, so there's this, all right, The Intentional Father. Um, and you say, well, what about for us ladies? Um, I really figured you ladies had read every book there was to read about parenting, and I didn't need to recommend that many. But um, this one is called Parenting. It's by Paul David Tripp. We've actually just kicked off a Wednesday night Bible study class that's going through this book. All right, and so I'd encourage men and women, moms and dads, to grab this one. Paul David Tripp, it's just called Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. What I love about this one is this one is that foundational push to center your family in the gospel of Christ. Uh, and, and it's super encouraging. So you, you maybe um, are in the grandparenting years, and you think, well, I can just pass on these. I'd, I'd encourage you not to pass on this one, grandparents. Uh, it'll, it'll help you uh, figure out how to grandparent well to the glory of God. Maybe you're like, man, uh, we, we just got married and we don't have kids yet. Grab them all. 
Uh, maybe you're thinking, you know, like, well, I'm not married yet. Do I need to, what do I need to do? Like, just kind of mark these down. You know what I'm saying? Like, so find, these are great resources. Uh, I think that'll help you. And uh, thank you, Scott. The table is getting so full. Um, but these were just some resources that are helping Bridget and I, and I, and I think they'll, they'll, they'll help you because, listen to me now, anybody that tells you, like, this is the prescribed way to parent, they, they actually don't know what they're talking about. Uh, all, all the experts want to say, like, you know, you got to follow this plan and that plan. Isn't it fun to watch a mom have their first child, particularly if they've read that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, you know what I'm talking about? And they have this schedule in their head. And, and they're like, no, 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 we can't go and have lunch right now. Well, it's noon. This is lunchtime. Well, we can't because of the schedule. You know, and I'm like, the schedule says eat lunch. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it, you know, like, you, it's fun to kind of watch that, for, like, so detailed. And look, hey, real talk, with infants, like, the schedules help. Uh, I can show you some friends who don't go by a schedule, and it helps. All right, and so, like, you know, there are all these different ways. There's nothing wrong with any way, but anybody that tells you like, like this is the only way for you to raise your kids, um, they're just not telling you the truth but, because there's not one specific way, but there is one specific goal, all right? And the goal for every Christian parent, we've already talked about it a couple weeks ago, it is found in Deuteronomy 6. And in Deuteronomy 6, the Bible says, hey, like teach them to love the Lord their God with all their heart and their soul and their mind. So like, like, loving God is the goal for every Christian parent. And if we teach our kids to love the Lord, we've got to teach them to do so through the lens of Scripture. Because what happens in culture every time is that culture wants to say, yeah, well, the Bible doesn't really mean that. It means this. No, look, like, culture doesn't get to determine what the Bible says. God has determined what the Bible has said. It's unchanging. It's unwavering. Like, it doesn't change. And so we cannot interpret the Bible through the lens of culture, we have to interpret culture through the lens of the Bible. And, and when we look at things through the lens of Scripture, recognizing that this is truth, then we're able to set our gaze and understand the goals. Like we are Bible first people as Christians. Before we're anything else, we're people of the book, we are people of the Bible. And so I want to show you an example from Jeremiah 29. Where God through the prophet, through the prophet Jeremiah is going to teach his people like how they should be approaching raising their kids in a very difficult culture that stands opposed to the will and the way of the Father. Stand with me. Let's do it together. Jeremiah chapter 29. <coughs> Jeremiah 29. Verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners to, who are among you to deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Interesting. God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated.
Interesting, in verses 8 and 9, he's like, don't listen to these people that are saying, I'm saying things, but instead, settle in. Don't, don't listen, verses 8 and 9, to the prophets. Like, don't listen to those that are saying they're having dreams. Don't listen to all these people prophesying to you. God is saying through his prophet Jeremiah, listen to me, settle in, it's going to be a while. Now, to really understand what he's talking about, you've you got to kind of know some of Israeli history. Like, this is after the time the Babylonians have come in and destroyed Jerusalem and carried the people off to exile. So this is a, a moment that, that they have been kicked out of Jerusalem, they've been kicked out of their lands, and people were going around and saying, hey, it's just going to be for a short time. They were trying to do some funny math from Old Testament stuff to say, well, this isn't going to be very long. And, and so don't, don't do anything. Don't settle in. Don't become a part of the culture. Don't, don't do anything at all. Just kind of remove yourself, hide from the wickedness of the Babylonians, and, and this will all be over soon. But instead, God's prophet Jeremiah comes and is like, hey, uh, you, you can't live that way because this is going to be a while. And so you need to settle in. And notice what he's telling them to, to settle in. He's like, hey, buy a house, plant a garden, eat of your food, raise your kids, see them get married, multiply. What, what is he getting at here? He's calling the people of Israel to continue to live on mission. Continue to live on mission while they're in a place of exile. You, you say, what mission is it? Well, remember when God created Adam and Eve and he told them to be fruitful and multiply? He, he's like, don't shrink back because you're in exile, but continue to accomplish the mission to which God has called you. Like, go and do what you're supposed to be doing. You're no longer living in the promised land. You're no longer living under my blessing. You're living now in exile under the discipline because you turn your backs on me. But that does not change the mission to which you were called. And friends, the foundation for Christian parenting for us today is understanding that God has given us a mission. And not only do we have to understand the mission, our kids have to understand the mission. Like it's not just, you know, do, do we kind of understand everything, but it's can we communicate that in a way that they can carry out and live according to this mission? So this has been uh, the first real snow my daughter's experienced. Now, when she was three, I think we had a big snow in Raleigh, but she didn't really get to be outside, or maybe it was even she was like two, but this is kind of the first really big snow. And so explaining to her, how to go fast on the sled took a little time. At first, she was super cautious. She'd sit on the sled. And she'd say, Daddy, push me. Right? And then she'd sit on the sled, and she figured out the scoot thing. You know what I'm talking about? But since we're on day 400 of this winter <laughs> snow, she's now figured out how to step back and sprint and dive and go. She understood the mission. Wasn't just to ride down the hill, but to fly down the hill, right? Like she started to get it. And so like we get that, like, all right, they're 10 minutes first and we got to help them along and then they're going to figure it out and then you're going to help them and then you're going to like stay out of the pond. You know, it's like, like, like you got to kind of like catch them before now they're going too far and you're pulling them back and you know, you're like, all right, no, no, no. Like this is the mission. Well, if we're ever going to be Christian parents, we've got to understand the mission. 
And the mission that God was giving to the children of Israel is the same mission he's given to us today to fill the earth, to be fruitful in the earth, but to do so while living as people of exile. Look, we are today most like the children of Israel when they were in seasons of exile. That We are in this season of exile. The world is not the way it's supposed to be. We are under the discipline and judgment of God because of the sin that entered the world. That's why Jesus came. Because when Jesus came, he came so that through repentance and faith, we could be brought to his family to make the world right again. That our hearts could be transformed while we're still living in this foreign land that is not our home so that we could find our home in Christ so that one day when he returns, we could finally be at home again. Like you see the picture here? Some of us, we want to act as though we're living as people who are like experiencing God's blessing. We don't know the blessing of God like we will know his blessing when he returns. And so we live with this exilic posture, recognizing that we're experiencing God's discipline because of sin, that the world is not the way it's supposed to be, but with the blessed hope of his return, looking toward when he will return and put all things back in order again. And if we could ever get through this through our minds that we are foreigners here, we will never fit in here. This world will never be our home. We will never get invited to all the parties. We'll never be the coolest people in the room. No matter how much we want to earn everyone's favor, we're never going to be able to earn enough to make our hearts at peace because this is not how God intended for it to be. But God being rich in mercy while we're still sinners sent Jesus to die for us. And so if we repent of our sin and put our faith in Jesus, our heart can find its home. But for now, we live how Jesus told his disciples to live in Matthew 5. Listen to Matthew 5, verse 13. The scripture says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out in your driveway and melt the ice. (laughs) That's not what Jesus said except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Look what Jesus was saying to his disciples, that salt is a preservative and disciples should be a preservative in the midst of the decaying culture. Light is a purifying agent. And the way disciples should live their lives should speak purity to the darkness and the filth that surrounds them. And our good works are our testimony. It's our testimony that we we would live out this way so that people would see the way we live and glorify God in heaven. Like this is the exilic posture that Jesus calls every disciple to live in. Salt, light, works. That we're serving the Lord not to be saved, but we're serving the Lord because of what he's done. And we're living as a preservative and a purifying light with a very clear mission that God has given to each of us. So how are we gonna do this and what are these principles for Christian parenting? First, get married and be open to the gift of children. Get married and be open to the gift of children. Look at verses four through six. 
Like God's saying like to the exiles who I have sent. Don't miss that. Like underline that in your Bible. It wasn't that God was looking the other way and all of a sudden the Babylonians overtook Jerusalem. No, he's saying I sent them into exile. Like, like I allowed this to happen to get their attention. So this sending to exile was a part of God's plan to prepare the way for his Messiah to come. Well, we do not understand God's ways. We can trust God's heart. And God says, hey, the people are going to have to go through some suffering and some difficulty. And, and so I'm going to send them into exile. And then verse 5, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat the produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply, do not decrease. Like there, there, there's this sense that, that he's saying to the people, like, don't stop living, get married, and, and be open to children. Like he's, he's telling them what to do as they're living on mission. This is what it looks like. And so we understand that a healthy biblical family is the first step to being a great parent. Look, you can know all the parenting tricks you could ever want to know, but if your marriage and family is not healthy, your kids are going to see through all your techniques and what you say is going to be betrayed by how you treat your spouse. What you say and instruct them to do is going to be betrayed by how they see you manage your finances. What you say is going to be hollow to them because what they see does not match what you say. Your children are watching how you live, not just what you say. You ever heard somebody say, hey, do as I say, not as I do? I'm like, what? What kind of line is that? Like, I'm going to tell you what to do, but I'm not going to do that? You say, well, you know, love the Lord and you know, it'll all just work out. Man, there's a sense that, like, if, if we're going to be Christian parents, what Jeremiah's helping these Exilic believers understand is that their homes have to be secure and on a foundation and be open to the gift of children. Look, in our culture, it's interesting how many people are putting off kids, putting off kids, and putting off kids. I can tell you, there's a reason not to put off kids. They're exhausting. And so if you're going to be tired, be tired when you have the most energy. Just a thought. But man, like here we see Jeremiah going, hey, like don't hold off having kids. You can see logically how this would be that young families are like, well, we're in exile. This will be over soon. We'll wait to have kids until we go get settled back in our land. And Jeremiah's like, no, 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 no. Fill the earth, multiply, live on mission. Be open to the gift of children. Now, grandparents, this is not a part of the sermon for you to cut out and send to your daughter-in-law that you're like, hurry up and give us grandkids. That is not what this is. But this is an understanding, like, like if we're going to be Christian parents, then we're going to get married and we're going to be open to kids. And as God gives us the gift to kids, we're going to raise them on mission. And, and that's what he's trying to describe. He's trying to say, hey, like, get going. Don't waste your life. Don't wait. Like, move forward. Today, people want to get married later, have children later. They want to push off all responsibility. And this is not a biblical worldview. Like anything that is the sense of I'm just going to be irresponsible and push off any responsibility I could take in my life is not a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview says that I'm going to take the responsibility given to me by the Lord so that I might fulfill his mission with my life. And so fulfilling his mission looks in many different ways, but it's not being irresponsible and pushing away and aside every bit of responsibility. Look, I, I, I know when I say this, some of us, we begin to think about those who cannot have children. 
And hear me now, like, that, that's, that's my family's story. Many of you know our story, but January 21st, interesting day to be preaching this sermon. January 21st, 2004, we had a little boy. Uh, he was born early in the morning. And the next day we had to make the decisions to take him off the machines that were keeping him alive. Crushed us. It was the darkest day of my life. And God worked in Bridget and I, and we did all kinds of things. And they were like, hey, um, you're going to need to think of some creative means to have children. And so through the miracle of adoption, I get to be dad. And it's a miracle. I mean, everything they told us we were about to go through, God just worked through it. And I can remember when Bridget called me to say that we had gotten the phone call, you know, that that Cade was born and that we had been chosen for adoption and we had to go pick, pick him up. And I was like, hold on, I got to go paint his room. She was like, just go buy diapers, man. We'll figure everything else out. Our lives changed forever. And he's continually changed our lives forever. He's in the service, Cade. You see, it's not that it's easy street, and it's not that it's always going to work out the way you think it's going to work out. Man, there might be some bumps and some hurts and some heartaches along the way, but your responsibility as a Christian is to be open to the gift of children and to pursue that however God allows. You see, for Bridget and I, it took about five years for our hearts to be ready to receive a child. But what we understood is as Christians that we wanted to raise kids who did not have a home in a godly home that would honor the Lord and teach them how to love Jesus. And that's why we went through the adoption process we did. And so this principle here that Jeremiah is going like, like you've got to kind of build a family that is on mission and and you think about this, like, why would Jeremiah tell him this? Like, why wouldn't he say, like, hey, just hang in there. It'll all be over soon. Like, why wouldn't he say, like, you know, like, look, be very careful with how you live. But he's like, no, fill the earth, multiply, like, go, like, be a family, do these things. And it's one simple word. The one simple word is that God has designed the Christian family to be his, ready, ambassador to the world. That's what it is. A Christian family, they are ambassadors for the kingdom of God in every community in which they're placed. You think about how Paul wrote it in 2 Corinthians 5. The scripture says, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So Paul here is saying like, like we're ambassadors and we're pleading with people to come to know Christ. Same thing in your home, like your testimony, the greatest testimony to the faithfulness of God and the love of God that you'll ever be able to give is the culture and experience people have when they come into your home. So if you want to be a Christian parent, get married, be open to kids. If you want to be a Christian parent, set the goal of your parenting as Christian grandchildren. Set the goal of your parenting as Christian grandchildren. Look at verse six. He's like, hey, take wives and have sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and, and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Like what's Jeremiah doing here? He's like, hey, you're going to have to stay engaged here to make certain that Deuteronomy six is happening, not just to your children, but to your grandchildren. 
the, the longer I'm a parent, the more I'm realizing that there will never be a day that I'm not a parent. He said, what are you talking about? I've just been thinking about things, how often I still call my parents to ask questions. I'm like, I bet he's tired of answering my phone call. But so many times we want to say, all right, I'm going to raise them. And when they're 18, they're going to go and they're going to soar and it's going to be awesome. But the truth is they come back home. My mother-in-law, when we go home, she always says, the locusts are coming, the locusts are coming. (laughs) First it offended me. Then I just knew she was fixing more food. So I was good. Had a grandmother at my former church used to say, Pastor, you know what the best lights of Christmas are? I thought she was going to say the white lights or the twinkle lights or the cuddler lights. She said, tail lights. <laughs> the task of parenting is never over. You'll parent and you'll parent and you'll parent. And then those kids you're parenting will have kids and they'll ruin them. And you'll want to fix them. But you can't. Because now you're a grandparent. You know the call of every grandparent, don't you? Is to ruin them and return them. But see here in verse 6, it's like, hey, like, like set the goal of your parenting as Christian grandchildren. So he's like, i got to stay engaged, not just to, to this child that God has given me as a son or daughter, but into their children. And what we've got to understand is like, like, Christian grandparents are not trying to control, they're trying to instill. Listen to me, grandparents. Like, like don't get this sense of like, you've got to teach your kids the way to do it or they're always gonna do it wrong. No, like set your focus on instilling into your grandkids. Like invest in them in a way that, that instills, let's call them vintage values into your grandkids. Set your focus on, like, hey, I'm gonna teach my grandkids how to trust God. How to trust God. Like, tell them stories of when you had to trust the Lord. Teach them from when you did not trust the Lord and what happened, and share your life with them. Like, teach them to trust God. Teach them to live life. Like, teach them practically and teach them theologically. Like, show them the life that God has given to you and paint a big vision for their future and what God might do in them. Like vintage values, like teach them to live life. Grandparents, you have such a valuable perspective to your grandkids. Don't shrink back and say, oh, they don't want to hear it from me. Oh, I promise you they do. This week, we were sitting around the dinner table and Bridget just, she didn't even know what I was preaching today. She just randomly asked her kids, she said, hey, talk to me about your, your favorite memory with your grandparents. And immediately, one of our kids spoke up and said, oh, man, I got to have this conversation with Mimi and GB. That's what they call Bridget's parents. And when we got to talk, and they told me stories, and we just had this long conversation. And it was this moment that I'm going like, they're doing it. They're teaching him how to live life. They're showing him this big picture. And he says his favorite memory is not the countless dollars they've spent on beach vacations, but on conversations in their house where he felt heard and he believed what they were saying would make a difference in his life. Then then little Mia spoke up and she was like, I I think my favorite moment 
has been when Dee Dee was teaching me how to bake. I have no idea what she made. But she said, Dee Dee showed me how to do it and told me when to make it. Like, just investing. It, it wasn't the Disney trip that they had paid for. It was the muffins. It, isn't it amazing how we think it has to be this big, grand thing? But if you'll teach your kids how to trust God, if you'll teach your, your grandkids how to, how to live life, if you'll teach your grandkids how to find hope, like grandparents, you cannot imagine the cultural pressures your grandkids live under. Like I, I know you say, well, it's not the way it used to be. I know you can say that, but you, you have no idea. And I frankly don't even, I'm not able to grasp it. When I talk to Sam and Justin and others in a student ministry, I'm like, man, like those kids are going through some stuff. But you can show them where you found hope and you can give them strength to stand against the cultural pressures, your words of encouragement, your belief in them. That same night, Cade was like, you know, Papa really believes I can do things that I'm not sure I can do. And I thought, I hope he never stops instilling hope in my boy. Because I can say it and he won't hear it. But Papa says it one time and he believes he can do it. See, this is what Christian grandparenting looks like. Teach your kids how to trust God, how to live life. Teach your grandkids how to trust God, how to live life, how to find hope and how to love. How to love. Our culture has so complicated and manipulated and frankly ruined love that we're raising a generation of kids who do not know how to appropriately show love to another. It's heartbreaking, man. And they're going to learn how to love by watching you love. And so grandparents, like you can show incredible love to your grandkids. And in that you can teach them how to love. But you've got to stay engaged. You can't say, well, I'm just not going to be a part of your life. You can't back off. You can't think, well, they really don't want that from me. No, you, you've got to teach your grandkids to trust God, live life, find hope, and to love. Stay in the game and finish the course. Because see, in, Gen or in Jeremiah 29, verse 6, he's like, hey, like, like, see this thing through. Multiply. Like, do not decrease. Fill the earth so that we would see the kingdom of God advance. Finally today, these principles we see in Jeremiah for Christian parents. Verses seven through nine, leverage your influence in the city. Get married, be open to kids. Set your goal as Christian grandkids and leverage your influence in the city. Look at verse seven, he's saying, Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. Don't listen to these false teachers, these false prophets, but, but leverage your influence in the city. He, he, he instructs, Jeremiah instructs the people in exile to invest in and engage in their city. It's not that they're just going to build you know, Christian businesses. It's that they're going to build businesses that make a difference in their city. 
It's not just they're going to kind of shrink back and only do this one little thing, but they're going to pray for God to open their eyes on what the city needs. And they're going to go and and find their welfare from the welfare of the city. Like they're going to give and receive in the city to which God has placed them. In our parenting, like we've got to set our aim in parenting is to leverage our influence in the city that we send out our kids, not as possessions, but as ambassadors. See, there's a big difference in in having an ownership mentality with your children and an ambassador mentality with your children. An ownership mentality with your children says, you know, I own them and they represent me. An ambassador mentality with your children says they are gods and they represent him. And if we want to leverage our influence in the city, we can't take up this ownership mentality that says these are my kids and they represent my name. We must take up a mentality that says they are Christ and are gods. He will protect them. He will keep them. And I'm going to send them to the glory of God to make a difference with their life. You see, ownership parenting says, I'm going to protect them at all costs. Ambassador parenting says, I'm going to send them into the middle of the mission that God might use them. And if we want to leverage the influence in the city, if we want to practice Jeremiah 29, 7, then we're going to be people that saying, hey, they are an ambassador. I'm going to train them up, raise them up, and send them to make a difference. How often do you talk to your children about making a difference with their life? I'm not saying how often do you talk to your kids about making money. But how often do you talk to your kids about, man, investing their lives on things that will outlast them and outlive them? Like, how often do you talk to your kids about being a leader in spiritual things? Like, what you talk to your children about shows you the goals that you're setting in their life. Are you talking to them about just being safe? Are you talking to them about representing you? Look, I've been guilty of this. Like, there's been times I've said, like, hey, we're Harrisons. We don't do it that way. That's ownership parenting. But instead, I should be saying, and what I'm learning to say is, hey, you are Christ, and he calls you to live differently than that. Because now I want to train him that before he's responsible, before she's going to hear from mom and dad, the Holy Spirit who has taken residence in their heart is going to instruct them. How many times have you corrected your child and they're like, I know, I know, I know, I know. It drives you crazy, especially when you're in this ownership vein. It drives you crazy because you're like, well, if you knew, why did you do that? You know why? They're going, I know, I know, I know, I know. Because if the Holy Spirit lives in them, he's already beating you to the punch. And he's convicting them. And so it's no longer, why did you do that? It's, what's God saying to you right now? What do we need to do about it? And can I tell you? When I have had the wisdom to ask that question, well, what's God saying? What do we need to do about it? My child has always come up with much more severe consequences for his actions than I was ever gonna enable on myself. I thought, man. I told Sam the other day, it's like, man, Cade came home from church the other night, so in a conviction. I thought he was gonna give away everything he had. But, but I was trying to feed what the Holy Spirit was doing in him just hoping he'd have enough clothes to make the week. But we've got to move ourselves from this ownership saying they represent me into this ambassador idea of we represent Christ. And then we make a difference in our city. Like then we're able to go. It's not that we have it all figured out. It's that we're genuinely trying to follow the Lord. 
It's not that our kids are better than other kids. It's that our kids have a very specific goal, that our kids have been focused on a very specific mission, and our kids are going to be able to carry out and accomplish that mission because of the way we've instilled God's values into them, that they know to love the Lord, and they know that God's given them purpose, and they know that God's given them a direction, and they are understanding that they are an ambassador for Christ. So in your parenting, is it ownership or is it to be an ambassador? Is it about your name or his name? In your grandparenting, are you instilling those vintage values? And is your family distinct from the culture? So the culture of your home testifies to the kingdom of God. This is what it means to be a Christian parent. And there's lots of routes to get there. But the goal is clear, to love the Lord and to carry out his mission. Thanks for joining us this week on the Concord Online Podcast. If you have any questions surrounding today's sermon or simply want to learn more, you can do so at concordonline.org. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with each weekly release. 